The Air Attack with BC the Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. I know so. What's up, guys? We are back on the air attack. I, of course, am your pal, BC. You can follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. You follow the show on air... Uh, show on air attack. The show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the air attack. It's going to be one of those days. No problem. Uh, we'll get to week one in the NFL. We'll look ahead to week two. Very sloppy week one in the NFL. By the way, my God. And by the way, when do they start playing real college football? Some of these matchups in weeks two and three are just awful. Anyway, we will get to all of that in due time. Obviously, the queen has passed away. Queen Elizabeth. We've all had the same queen, right, for all of our lives now, basically. Most of us. My goodness. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I, I, I just want to say this, though. In 2022, the idea of a royal family just seems a little childish. It does. It seems a little antiquated. We're talking about kings and queens, and I think of, like, Game of Thrones. That's what I think of. I don't think of modern-day kings, queens, princess, princesses. You got the girl from Deal or No Deal ruining your family. Now you got a kid that won't talk to the king. I mean, it's it's really just like a lot of families out there. It just it doesn't interest me that much. And when you really think it through, how did they become royalty? Well, they became royalty by being related to to other royals. That's it. So they are distant relatives of some brute who ruled with an iron fist several hundred years ago, made people miserable, executed people who spoke out against them, written conquered other lands, and now you're that guy's great, 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 great grandson, nephew, whatever the hell you are, and I'm supposed to find that interesting. I just don't. I'm not even sure what exactly a queen or now a king is supposed to do in that country. I'm not even joking. I, d I don't know what kind of real power they have. I know they have a ton of money. I get all that. They have a ton of influence. I mean, you know, Prince Andrew, anyone? Anyway, just saying, like, they can get away with certain things. They can do certain things. They, they'll never want for anything. But I really don't understand what it is they actually do all day, except maybe a couple of photo shoots here and there. I, I don't know what real influence or real decision-making power they actually have. That's just me being honest. They're important enough for the English Premier League to cancel all the matches for a week. I get that. They're in a national state of mourning. No, I understand all that. But I really don't know. Like, what is King Charles now? What is he going to do all day? What is his job? I don't get it. So, I, again, I just think it's a little bit archaic and a little bit childish at this point to be gushing over somebody. You want to say, hey, listen, you like the person. They passed away. You feel sad. Okay, that's one thing. But if you don't care other than that, she's the queen. I just, to me, a throne and a crown and a scepter... That just seems like little kid stuff to me. But hey, that's me. What can you do? Speaking of little kid stuff, there is now going to be a black little mermaid. Yeah, here's my response to that. People were asking me what I think. I think who cares? I think Disney will do anything for attention at this point. And you're seeing now talk on social media. And again, you follow me on Twitter at BC, AK the man, that their parks are already in a state of disrepair. How is that possible? These parks have barely been used the last few years, right? I understand that they're busy now, but I mean, this stuff should be, you would think when these parks reopened, like post-COVID, they would be in pristine condition. Already you got rides breaking down and they're not honoring certain types of tickets that are supposed to give you priority to get on them. Yeah. Disney is now in cost-cutting mode. You see this with, with a lot of companies out there. Now they're cutting costs and they're trying to squeeze every dollar out of you if you're one of the suckers that goes to those parks. You don't like the way they treat you at the park. Don't go to that park anymore. There are other places to go. You don't like what they're doing with the Little Little Mermaid movie? We know why they're doing it. We have, court, we have no why they're doing it. It's not a big deal. Okay? They're, they remade the Wonder Years, but the family's Latino. Whoa! 
Every time, every time they do one of those, they just did that with Day at a Time. They do that with a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. It's nothing new. It's called Hollywood is out of ideas, and Hollywood is hiring people more for their politics than their talent. That's why there's a Black Little Mermaid. And again, if it bothers, bothers you that much, don't take your kids. Don't go see it. Don't go buy it on, on DVR. Get rid of whatever Disney channels you have in the house, and that's it. I don't know what to tell you. Who cares? My God, find something else to worry about. Holy cow. It's a mermaid. It's a it's already pretend they can make the girl whatever color they want. Who cares? Jeez, my goodness. Um, we have an NBA owner who just got suspended. Robert Sarvar. I, I have not followed this story that closely. Apparently, the guy made racist remarks around the office on the phone, behaved inappropriately towards women, behaved inappropriately towards men. The whole nine yards stories we've heard a million times. You know why? Because a lot of people act this way. That's the reality. He's getting a year off from the NBA. People are already clutching their chest and saying, oh, my God, he's got to be forced to sell the team. He's a monster. He's evil. So I'm going to ask another logical question. I think I might do this every week now. Here's my logical question of the week. Who is the worst person? Who is the who is the worst of these two? Who is a worse individual? Robert Sarvar and his dirty mouth or... The guy who shot P&B Rock at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in L.A. P&B Rock was an American rapper who was gunned down this past week, all because his girlfriend posted their location on Instagram. Young Dolph, remember him? Got shot in Memphis buying cookies. Remember Pop Smoke? He got shot in L.A. because he posted his location on social media. I think that was also Instagram. Next thing you know, these guys are, these guys are getting rolled up on, shot, robbed, the whole nine yards. Who's a worse human being? Robert Sarvar and his dirty mouth or the cowards that went and shot this kid. He's not a kid. I think he was in his early 30s at Roscoe's. Who's worse? Because I know which one is being portrayed as the worst person. It's the guy who got suspended by the NBA for a year. And in a shocking twist, LeBron James got nothing to say about any of this stuff. None of these activists have anything to say about these guys. The minute these guys post a location, someone goes up and tries to kill them. It's psychotic. I mean, it's insane. So while I do agree that Robert Sarvar's behavior is, is wrong, it's disturbing, it's troubling, is it worse than someone getting murdered in broad daylight because now a couple of bad guys found out where they are? No, I don't think it is. I don't think I really need to answer that question. But that's my logical question of the week. Back to a story from last week where I asked a logical question. The BYU investigation has now been resolved. It didn't happen. Rachel Richardson and her psychopath of a godmother made the thing up. You had a gym full of about 5,000 people for a volleyball match. Yes, 5,000 people. The BYU police and the university interviewed 50 of them. 5-0. I mean, there were BYU athletes in the stands, black ones. No one heard a thing. So in the entire gym, the only two people who heard these alleged racial slurs were one girl on the Duke volleyball team who was on the court, not any of the girls surrounding her on either team, and then one woman in the stands but not any of the other women in the stands and no one in between. Somehow a third party yelled all these nasty, icky words and only two people heard them. Rachel Richardson is a pathological liar. She's a kid. Okay, Dawn Staley's not a kid. Dawn Staley is a self-aggrandizing sociopath who now decided to cancel a home-and-home -home series with BYU over a lie. But it gets better than that. It gets better than that because this is not anything new. And this is the power of a lie. You put a lie out there, you scream and yell, you tell people, this can happen to famous people, this can happen to ordinary people, I've had it done to me, you just start a lie. 
That's all. You just you just lie to somebody and you do it over and over and over again. You find a couple dummies who could be manipulated and then they repeat the lie. They repeat it back to you. And then when the truth comes out, you think all those people are going to admit, hey, wait a second. I was duped. Not a chance. And that's how this stuff works. I have people coming at me on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter. BCAK the man talking about, well, your first response to a black woman is to go ahead and criticize her. No, my response when somebody is engaging in life ruining is to try to get facts. And once you get the facts, you realize that Dawn Staley is just not a good person. Good people don't do stuff like this. People who want attention do stuff like this. People who are projecting their own misery do stuff like this. This is wrong. This is a thousand percent wrong. And especially considering just last year, remember the Colorado Rockies game? Remember they had a fan they were about to ban for life? This was like 13 months ago. This wasn't a long time ago. He was yelling dinger, dinger, like home run, dinger. That's the name of the Colorado mascot. But if you ask certain people, oh, no, that was the N-word. And then when it turns out, well, that's not the N-word. But, you know, he was saying dinger with a hard G. No, that's just you being nuts. You're just a crazy person. That's how the guy really talks. Local media went and interviewed him. I mean, the guy basically wanted to protect his identity. He was sitting in his daughter's seats. People tried to ruin his life over nonsense. And once they realized it was nonsense, you think they came to me and apologized? You think they went to the guy and apologized? No. You think they, they apologized on social media to the guy? Not a chance. On to the next bullshit. On to your next grandstanding campaign. On to your next lie. That's how it works. But especially at Duke, if you don't know the Duke lacrosse case, look it up. Back in 2000, and, I want to say 2006, maybe I'm a year off there, give or take. And, and the reason I'm so familiar with this is, never mind my interest in sports, some of these kids are from my area. In fact, they're all three from my area. Three kids on the Duke lacrosse team were accused of raping a black stripper. It turns out she made the whole thing up. She made the whole thing up. Now, listen, were they, were they cutting up? Were they drinking? Were they maybe getting high? Yeah, okay, fine. Were they ordering strippers? Yeah, but no one raped anybody. And they went with this, the district, attor- the district attorney in Durham, North Carolina, you realize he went to jail for, for covering up evidence that would have exonerated these kids? These kids were dragged through the mud. These were young kids. They, they, they didn't care. The, 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 the activists didn't care. Al Sharpton was heading down there, and they told him to go home because they figured he would be no help. But you're talking about a place in Durham, North Carolina, that apparently is very racially divided. You get all these rich kids going to school, but you've got some neighborhoods that aren't so, aren't so well-to-do. A, lot of, a heavy black population, and the town was very racially divided. And that DA down there figured, I can cash in on this. Racial tension is big business. But for Duke to have an athlete engaging in this horseshit where three of their own, three of their own athletes almost had their lives completely ripped apart. They almost went to jail, these kids. And, and I'm not talking about going to jail for shoplifting. I'm talking about going to jail for rape. Are you fucking kidding me? And now you've got a student athlete trying to stir this kind of stuff up again, going to this same exact playbook, and there's no repercussions for her? My God, come on now. You, you have got to be kidding me. But never mind, never mind the kid. Rachel Richardson is a kid. Her godmother obviously is very manipulative and is a psycho herself. But Dawn Staley owes BYU an apology, and she's probably going to end up owing them some money. She'll never have to pay it. The school will cover her because, God forbid, the, the school stands up to her because she'll scream racism too. But let's cut through all the shit here. Okay, she was looking for attention, and I said this last week. She wanted to do it when she did it because she knew if the truth came out, it would be too late to go back and undo it. She saw her moment to try to grab the spotlight, and that's what she did, and that's all she cared about. They actually banned a fan, and I got a question for BYU while we're on the topic. How'd you come up with the fan? How did you identify the quote-unquote guilty party? How did you figure out who to ban for life? If nobody did any of this stuff, who pointed the guy out to you? 
How did you decide which person was guilty? My God. What, the guy with the least amount of friends? I understand there's a history at BYU. There's been allegations that, you know, the black students don't have it so good there. The white students are very uppity, racist, standoffish, yada, yada, yada. There have been issues at Utah Jazz games, okay, at, at home games there with fans getting mouthy with black NBA players and black NBA players saying enough of this shit to the point where guys have said, hey, listen, I know guys that could have gone to Utah for more money, but they didn't because they don't want to put up with those fans. They don't want, they don't want to reward those fans for behaving like that. But that's not my, but that's not really here. That's neither here nor there. I understand it makes BYU an easy target. But how did BYU come up with a guy as the sacrificial lamb? What do they do? Pick the guy with the least amount of friends? My God. So as far as I'm concerned, Dawn Staley owes people an apology. BYU owes people an apology, especially one person. And so does Duke. And Duke is going to turn a blind eye here. And we all know why. But it's ridiculous. And this girl, honestly, for the trouble she has caused and the trouble she almost caused, she shouldn't be playing volleyball for that team. She shouldn't even be attending that university, bottom line. You can't tell me that race is a serious topic if we're going to have people going out there and making shit up just for attention. Don't tell me to take it seriously and then go ahead and give people a pass for making shit up. That includes Bubba Wallace, that includes Jussie Smollett, and it includes this girl right here. I don't care if she's young. I don't care if she's female. It's wrong. The bottom line is it's wrong. I'm not saying she, she should be prosecuted or anything like that, but how the hell is she not disciplined at all for completely and obviously fabricating such a ridiculous accusation? My God. You want people to take this stuff seriously, right? And I listen, I, I, I say this as somebody, I, I tossed a teammate off the basketball court years ago in high school for using language like that. Okay, I do take it seriously. But if you want people to take something like this seriously, then you also have to take the hoaxes seriously and do something about it because it's kind of getting out of hand in case you haven't noticed. Bottom line. Now, on to the NFL. Let's get to the gambling part of the program. Now, we're a little short with time today, so I'm going to do this quickly. We'll get into week two in just a minute. Week one, number one, overall impression, Slop City. Some of these teams came out. The product that the NFL put out there was just terrible, especially in the primetime games. That Thursday night game between the Bills and the Rams was ridiculously sloppy. And I know it sounds like sour grapes. I was on the Rams as a, as a, as a teaser leg in this game. Felt pretty good about it about halfway through the third quarter. This team was a mess, though. I mean, the Rams were not prepared to play NFL football. And tell me more about how Matt Stafford isn't hurt. My, uh, come on, terrible. But lost in the shuffle here was... The Bills were sloppy, too. I mean, there are turnovers on both sides, special teams, everything. That was just incredibly sloppy, and that theme carried over into Sunday. Giants and Titans, I'd say the one thing that stood out to you, obviously, the Giants could have lost that game. I mean, it was a missed field goal at the end. The Giants had their issues. Daniel Jones had some of his same issues. Daniel Jones was quite good. Daniel Jones was about was about 10% in completion rate over expectation. That's an analytical stat that they use to figure out how good the quarterback is throwing the football, what kind of throws he's making. That was, that was like top five in the league last week. He had some really really big moments, but Saquon Barkley. How good does Saquon Barkley look? If he can maintain his health this year, very dangerous. If the Giants can get better blocking, get some of their young guys back on defense who missed this particular game, you could have something there, especially with the state of the Cowboys. And that was your primetime game on Sunday night. That game was a snooze. I understand both offensive lines are beat up, but that game was tough to watch. Now you have no Dak Prescott for at least a month. It's probably going to be closer to two months. You're talking about his throwing hand here. We'll see how quickly they rush him back, but Boy, the Giants almost have you thinking, but they could maybe contend for that division. I mean, who's their competition now? The Eagles? And I think they beat the Eagles twice last year. So the sort of reemergence of Saquon here, I know it's a contract year and everything else. It's not like the guy doesn't try hard. The guy has had really, really bad injury luck. Something to keep an eye on there, especially with that new coach, new system. And you got a lot of hope 
for Giants fans right now. Saints get by the Falcons back and forth. Another sloppy game. Uh, the Niners and Bears. This is a big shock to people, but this game was played in the pouring, pouring rains. I usually, I usually when I'm looking at games, almost draw a line through that because it's tough to get an idea of you know, statistically how well a team played when they're dealing with conditions that they really can't replicate in practice. You can practice with a wet ball, but just a sloppy, soaked field and a soaking rain coming down during the game. A couple mistakes here and there. The other thing about the Niners, it looks like George Kittle isn't going to play this week. They've got injuries on the offensive line already. A couple guys on defense are banged up. Linebacker Dean Greenlaw, pretty significant piece of that puzzle there on defense. This seems starting to sound like the same old story with the Niners and injuries. And when you hear about injury luck in the NFL, that's a term people like to use. Is it really luck, though, when it keeps happening to the same team? Like you talk about field goal luck. Well, this team this team missed a few more field goals than they should have last year. Hey, guess what? Maybe they've got a bad long snapper. Maybe there were a couple of bad snaps there. Maybe they have a bad kicker. Have you thought of that? The Colts just just cut their kicker because he cost them a win in overtime and because he's been bad. And sometimes you'd say, well, is it really injury luck or is it just this team's got a problem with injuries? You know, George Kittle is a top three tight end of the NFL, something like that. Definitely top five. The problem, you don't think of him in, in, in the first crop of guys that, that come to mind because he's never playing. And I was very close preseason to getting in on the Niners, either as division champions to make the playoffs over their win total. And this is exactly what I was scared of. He had a game now where they were seven, eight point favorites, and that's a loss. That's big. If you've got a team going over their win total or trying to make the playoffs and they're losing those games, it's tough to recover from that. Big favorites this week over Seattle. You would you would think, we'll get, we'll get to that in a second, but you would think that would set up well for the Niners, but man, they can't stay healthy. Steelers and Bengals, Joe Burrow, my God. Slo- just sloppy. The problems with kicking in this game, back and forth. Joe Burrow kept throwing the ball to Pittsburgh. Now TJ Watt leaves that game with a torn peck. I, again, just an ugly, ugly week one. Dolphins 20-7 to over the Patriots. Don't get carried away with that. The Dolphins offense scored 13 points. They put up three points in the second half. So calm down. I am not big on the Patriots. I almost took the Patriots to miss the playoffs this year. Very, very close. I think I'm going to regret not making that play. Let's pump the brakes a little bit and see how they do against Baltimore this week. The Ravens got by the Jets. The Jets are just, again, you got problems on the offensive line with injuries. You're obviously missing your your young starting quarterback. The Jets are already banged up again. And I I don't necessarily blame the teams. I I think the the Jets have a good coach. The Jets have good players. But again, they come into the season. The season doesn't even get started. Same thing with the Ravens. Ronnie Staley's down. Their second string tackle is down. Marcus Peters missed this game. They're all, the same teams who were getting beat up by injuries last year, it just seems like they're beat up again this year. Very, something very interesting, I think, to keep an eye on because obviously the injuries determine a lot of what goes on in the NFL. Basically, if you can't stay healthy, you're going to be one of the teams that's eliminated just because of sheer attrition. That's just the way the world works. Baker Mayfield loses in his uh, sort of revenge game against the Browns, and not even with Deshaun Watson, obviously, against Jacoby Brissett of all quarterbacks. Uh, no scoring in the first quarter of this game. The scoring didn't get started until about a third of the way into the game. And guess how it got started? A short field touchdown drive for the Browns off of, you guessed it, a Baker Mayfield interception. Guys, they watched Baker Mayfield in practice every single day for how many years? You think maybe Carolina had a little bit of advantage going into this game? My goodness. So I don't think that's going to sit well with Mr. Bayfield. And remember, he had something to say about Daniel Jones. Was it last year or the year before? Whatever. So now he has to come to a hostile environment at MetLife. Could be a rough go of it in Carolina. It really could. If they don't get something going quick, I could see that situation going south because Matt Rule's kind of playing for his job. Colts and Texans, I'm not even going to get into the numbers. The Colts dominated this game. They settled for a tie. The only silver lining here is... They're playing a division opponent. Now they're tied with the Texans. Jacksonville lost to Washington in a back-and-forth game. And the Titans lost to the Giants as six-point favorites. So 
Indianapolis really didn't have nearly as bad of a week as they could have. They could have lost that game. They actually had to come back from 20-3 to just to tie that game. Uh, so they kind of, I don't know, tiptoed through the raindrops there. They played Jacksonville this week. If they could beat the Jags in Jacksonville, which is something that's been a big problem for that organization, they'll be looking pretty good. Uh, Minnesota dominates the Packers 23-7. to The big thing here, 6.5 yards per play for the Vikings. I wouldn't get carried away so much with their defensive performance because they saved about 65-70 yards on a dropped long TD pass early in the game. And Aaron Rodgers had a look on his face like, basically, is it going to be like this all year? Because that's how training camp was. Training camp for the Packers was their young receivers dropping passes to the point where they sat them down and basically said, if you don't knock it off and if you don't sharpen up, you're not going to be playing football here. And that's exactly how they started. So don't get too carried away with that defensive performance from the Vikings, but safe to say the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, those guys have got to be feeling good that they finally got rid of Mike Zimmer because that guy was just an anchor. Uh, just It's as simple as that. The Chiefs dominate the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are in for a very rough year. Okay, The Chiefs now without Tyree Kill, I think become tougher because now you're not quite sure where the ball's going. That's, that's my honest opinion. I really thought it was going to hurt them, and then the more I kind of watch them in the preseason, I think the Chiefs are actually more dangerous this year. I just do. And I'll give them credit, too. Andy Reid is usually very, very good. So is Sean McVay in week one. So a lot of good it did the Rams and Sean McVay, but the Chiefs came in there. They were on point. They were buttoned up. They were, they were just, they went about their business right out of the gate. That's something a lot of teams could learn from because I'm telling you, these teams were not prepared to play NFL football. Chargers win a tough one against the Raiders. Now they'll play the Chiefs on Thursday night. And I got to say something too. If you're thinking about betting this Thursday night game, hey, you do what you want to do. You do whatever you feel like doing. But uh, just understand, as sloppy as the play was in week one across the board, do you think it really tightens up three days later when you're making these guys play a Thursday game after, they, after their first game of the season? I'm not so sure. Plus, you're talking about Brandon Staley. You're talking about two teams that can move the ball against each other. This just has the makings of insanity on this Thursday night football game. That's the first Amazon game, too. So good luck. I'm, I'm curious to see how that holds up. Because a lot of times with these apps, uh, the first time that they are airing live sports doesn't necessarily always go so well. Little volume, server, whatever you want, you know, site traffic, whatever, whatever the terminology is. We'll see how Amazon handles all that. Then, of course, Russell Wilson loses his return. It's a Seattle. Um, I thought this was coaching incompetence of the highest order uh, from Nathaniel Hackett. And, just, I mean, you guys are a foot outside the end zone. You're a football outside the end zone, less than a foot. And you're running plays from shotgun as if you're Missouri. I, I, come on now. Is this the Big 12 or the NFL? Two goal line fumbles, not one, two. And you can say, well, the second goal line fumble came after a, a Seattle fumble, so it was a short field. They only, ran, they only you know, covered like 35 yards. Denver was picking up plays in gobs. I mean, they were picking up plays whenever they wanted to. They were pushing that Seattle defense all around. So if you were holding any kind of over ticket, any kind of Denver ticket, Denver team total over ticket, uh, you have every right, every right to be a little bit bitter over what you saw on Monday night in Seattle. Now, let's look ahead quickly to week two. As I just said, the Chiefs and Chargers game just seems like it is primed. No pun intended. Amazon Prime. No. Just seems like it is absolutely perfectly set up for lunacy. And you just get the impression that Brandon Staley is going to do something to infuriate thousands and thousands of people. And by people, I mean gamblers. He's going to do something crazy tonight. You know he is. You know something crazy is coming tonight. And you know he's going to be the perpetrator. You do. No Keenan Allen. 
The Chargers will also be without Donald Parham. They're starting tight end, and it looks like J.C. Jackson may not play either. Now, that is probably the more significant of those three injuries. I know you say Keenan Allen. Eh, you know what? Uh, Justin Herbert's actually 3-0 in his career without Keenan Allen. Now, a couple of those include a game against the Giants last year. Not that impressive. And then the year before, the final game of the year against the Kansas City Chiefs. But just a caveat there, that game is played in Kansas City. The Chargers were six-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. The Chiefs were resting their starters for the playoffs. So Keenan Allen is kind of a security blanket for, for Justin Herbert. It's tough to imagine this does not hurt the, the, the Chargers just a little bit, but I think the loss of that corner trying to slow down that Chiefs offense, I think that could actually be the thing that really hurts them. So we'll see. We'll just see how it goes. But it just has all the makings of a really wild Thursday night game. The Thursday night games are, are known for that to begin with. The guys are playing on three days rest. One team has to travel two day, or three days after playing a game on Sunday. It, it really is a lot. I mean, I honestly, regardless of how much you pay these guys, it's a little unfair to make them play on Thursday nights. I don't think the Thursday night game is going anywhere anytime soon based on... Uh, all the dollars involved, but yeah, a little bit unfair. Jets and Browns, get a look at the Browns here. The Browns are six-point favorites in this game. If the Browns can take care of business against the Jets this week, and the Jets are still a little bit banged up, yeah, I tell you what, they're 2-0. and They are 2-0 and in first place in that division, and they're ever closer to getting Deshaun Watson back. I'm not quite sure how he's going to play when he comes back based on a lot of circumstances. You know what they all are, right? The weather, you know, how is, how is he going to handle playing in Cleveland, but just the pressure of this, this whole situation that he has sort of hanging over his head. But regardless of that, the Browns, to me, have one of the better rosters in the NFL. And they, you know, they got a defense that was pretty good last year. It looks like it's going to be even better this year. I tell you, that could be a very, very dangerous team. I almost fired on the Baltimore Ravens to win that division, and I didn't. And, and part of the reason was, you think the Bengals will be competitive this year? But I kind of feel like they have to worry about, the, about Cincinnati, and they have to worry about Cleveland. I think the Browns, that, that's a very under-the-radar team. Lions and Commanders. Uh, in Detroit this week. Neither team played a ton of defense last week. Lions are all beat up, especially on the offensive line. DeAndre Swift is also a name to keep an eye on. Looks like he missed practice early in the week, so we'll see how that goes. The Bucks and Saints are both very much beat up. I mean, really, they both all of a sudden have a ton of guys on their injury, injury report. The Bucks, especially at wide receiver and that offensive line. The Saints have played well against Tampa Bay. They just have. And this is a tough one. The, the Bucks opened up as three-point favorites. Now they're down to two and a half. So that tells you something right there. The sports books do not like moving those lines off of three. Why? Because people who took plus three, you'll have professional bettors now that will actually come back and take the favorite minus two and a half and hope the game lands on three. That's something professionals do all the time. Patriots and Steelers. Um, New England's a two-point favorite here. I don't know about all that. I just am not sold on the Patriots. The Steelers had one of the, if you're looking at the analytics, one of the best defenses of last week. The problem, looks like they're going to be missing TJ Watt for a while. He tore a peck in that win over Cincinnati, so keep an eye on that. Colts and Jags, I touched down. I think you'll have some scoring in this game. Totals of 45 and a half. That, to me, seems a little bit low. The Colts' defense was not exactly uh, impressive last week against Houston, but they were missing Darius Leonard, now known as Shaq Leonard. That's the guy with the green dot in his helmet, guy who calls the signals for the defense, um, and also one of their better def defensive players. Um, I'm on the Colts to win this division this year, as if you listen to the show last week or you follow me on Twitter, at BCAK, the man. So, again, a Colts win puts them in, in really good shape um, for, you know, for themselves and obviously people like myself who have backed them. But they've had a hard time winning in Jacksonville. It's also going to be a million degrees this Sunday. That matters, especially early in the year. All of this sloppiness that we talk about is not meant to shit on the players or even shit on the coaches, but it is indicative of teams who just haven't rounded into form yet. Why is that? Well, first of all, you got 17 games to worry about instead of 16. A lot of players don't like that. Coaches know that. And I think a lot of coaches are looking at this season as a marathon, 
not a sprint. The week one games still count. The week two games still count. But it just seems like a lot of these staffs went extra easy on these players. And a lot of these, lot of these players just came into, the, into the, the first week of the season not particularly focused. Plus, you got a lot of new teammates you're still getting used to. You know, all of these things factor in. But it's going to be very, very hot. And it's hard to imagine that that does not play a role in this game. The Colts are minus four at a place where they just have not had a ton of success traditionally. Matt Ryan was very shaky in his debut, dropping snaps. I mean, that stuff will come. The chemistry with your center and your offensive line and just sort of tightening these things up. But I don't know if it all straightens out in week two and if you want to lay that many points on the road. I don't know. I think I would go... I would tread a little lightly there. Dolphins getting three and a half points at Baltimore. To me, this is a wait and see game. I, I'm big on the Dolphins this year. I'm big on their coach. I, I really think Tua with the right weapons and some protection can do a lot of damage. Their running game was not very good last week against the Patriots. They, they did score 20 points, but seven of those came on a strip sack fumble where a kid walked, basically walked in the end zone uh, after he blindsided Mac Jones. That, deep, that offense, once again, put up 13 points. They put up three points in the second half. I know the defensive performance from the Dolphins was pretty good. Then again, it's the Patriots. The Patriots have a very dull offensive roster this year. There's talk all during camp about their offensive line not playing well. The receivers are just sort of a blah group of receivers. They did let Mac Jones air the ball out just a little bit more than they did last year in this one game. That probably has something to do with them trailing the entire game, just how it is. The Ravens are all kinds of banged up. We already talked about them. This is going to be an interesting game. See which one of these two teams can get to 2-0. The Rams are 10.5-point favorites over the Falcons. There's two ways to look at this game. The Rams are going to be sort of foaming at the mouth to get back out there and not embarrass themselves. The other way to look at it is the Falcons probably should have beaten the Saints. I got to look at them a couple times during the preseason. Marcus Mariota looks very good. Their defense is better than it's been in years past. If they can hold up on the offensive line, they may be onto something there. One way or another, I'm not laying multiple scores with the Rams team that I watched on Thursday night. You want to say it's an aberration? No problem. Prove it. Because it was an aberration already. In other words, Sean McVay was undefeated in week one games. Undefeated. And that team looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked like they had something better to do. I know they're coming off a Super Bowl run. They had ceremonies that day. All of that stuff. Hey, listen, that's not an excuse. It really isn't. Teams in that situation in that opening Thursday night game tend to do very well. Also, teams coming off that Thursday night game, that week one game, tend to do very well the following week against the spread. And that's, a, that's something now that's been going on for you know several years now. You have a little bit, you have enough of a sample size to think that that trend may hold some weight there. So extra time to prepare for the Rams. I know they're embarrassed. They want to get back out there. I'm not convinced that Matthew Stafford is as healthy as the Rams are making him sound. I know the Rams are saying he's fine. I actually listened to a couple of opinions from doctors uh, the week before that game who were saying, ah, he's okay. It's just over. It's just overuse. It's just the guy who's a little worn out. Not so sure about that. I'm, I'm really not. I don't know how worn out he's going to be in week one of an NFL season where he didn't even play in the preseason. Didn't, didn't take one preseason snap. So I don't know. To me, that's a wait and see kind of a game. The Niners, you figure, are in a get right game against the Seahawks, but the Niners are once again beat up. How did the Seahawks come into this game? You look at the Seahawks basically coming off of their little mini Super Bowl. The 49ers get embarrassed in Chicago again, pouring rain. You know, just a little bit of an aberration there weather-wise. We'll see. The 49ers would certainly seem like an attractive teaser leg in this one, if you ask me. Maybe a team total over. The total in that game is 41. That total is way too low. That total, that total is way, way too low. I think you're getting a little bit of mileage out of the low-scoring Niners-Bears game, but how much scoring do you want them to do? It was pouring rain. It probably rained a couple inches during that game. I mean, it was this field was covered in water. So we'll look at a couple things here. Can Seattle bounce back six days later after this, you know, very emotional win? And it's something they've been building up towards for, you know, for months now in that city. And can the Niners 
come back and snap out of it and just sort of shake off that that week one disaster against the Bears. We'll see. Bengals, Cowboys, remember, no Dak Prescott for about a month, month and a half. Somehow this this line opened at seven and now, I'm sorry, it opened at seven and a half and now it's Cincinnati minus seven. So the Cowboys, I guess, took some money. Cooper Rush isn't scaring off as many people as you might think. You know, he's had some success in the past as a, you know, as a fill-in quarterback for the Cowboys. The difference is you're missing a lot of the guys here. Michael Gallup look like, looks like he's not playing. Obviously, Amari Cooper is gone. I don't know. This could be this could be a rough go over for the Cowboys. And if the Giants can get by the Panthers this week, the Cowboys come to MetLife the week after. I mean, depending on how the Cowboys look, you could be the Giants could be sitting pretty to go three and zero. That would be wild. But hey, listen, new coach, new system, couple good breaks. That that's just how it goes sometimes in the NFL. The Texans head into Denver to face the Broncos. The Broncos are about a 10-point favorite right now, depending on where you look. Can they shake off what happened six days earlier? Can they get things tightened up on that offense? They're going to be without some guys on defense. Their stud safety, Justin Simmons, heads to the IR. Looks like Josie Jewell. That's their signal caller on defense. He's going to miss the game. Randy Gregory looks like he's going to miss the game as well. I don't think they've ruled Josie Jewell out yet but it looks like he's trending towards not playing. But keep an eye on that as injury reports come out on Thursday and on Friday this week. So the Texans are, you know, a tough team to gauge. Their defense is awful. They can move the football a little bit, but I'm not laying 10 with that Denver team that I just saw, especially coming off a short week. There's no possible way. Cardinals head into Las Vegas to face the Raiders. The Raiders are now the toughest ticket to get in the entire NFL. You're paying, I mean, just paying huge, huge money if you want to go see that stadium. You get it. It almost, almost makes you wonder what took them so long to get a team out there. Uh, they'll face the Cardinals this week. Devontae Adams had a big, big week one with Derek Carr, his buddy from college. That's that's how that all happened. This just has shootout written all over it. I, I don't like either one of these offensive lines, but it just, I don't know. You get the impression these quarterbacks are just going to sort of have at it. Both teams are 0-1, so you're going to see, I, to me, I think you're going to see both offenses try to show out here. I just don't know that I trust Kyler Murray. He just doesn't have enough around him. The offensive line, as I said, isn't that great and you know you have to remember he is like five foot eight so when he starts getting pressure especially up the middle you know he can't just outrun all these guys all the time you just can't I'm sorry you just can't run around in circles in the NFL the way you could at a at, at an Oklahoma I, I'm sorry it just doesn't work that way I, I I just think having no DeAndre Hopkins makes his life a little tougher but am I gonna lay five and a half with this Raiders team hell no not a chance and then Bears and Packers I'm pretty sure they did this last year on Sunday Night Football at Lambeau Field as well. Probably going to get kind of a low-scoring game here. you got a total of 41.5. The Bears are, are getting 10 points from the Packers. That's probably about right. I mean, that might even be a little bit low if, and it's a big if, Aaron Rodgers can actually find some chemistry with these young receivers, as in, you know, can he find somebody to, to, to work with where he has a little bit of confidence, where these guys aren't dropping easy passes, especially of the touchdown variety. You don't get that many of them in the NFL, so you actually you kind of want to try to hold on to those. Um, the Bears offense did absolutely nothing against San Francisco, but again, it was played in a deluge. If you're going to make excuses for Trey Lance and the Niners, maybe you give Justin Fields a pass, but just looking at that roster, looking at their history, looking at their offensive line, I'm just not seeing it for the Bears this year, especially considering the Lions are, are improved and they, you know they could be a, a tough test, especially in their home building. I I, I think it's a tough go for the Bears this year. Uh, one of their fellow NFC North teams, the Vikings, will head into Philadelphia to face the Eagles. A couple of offenses I think you expect a lot out of this year. Not so much for the defenses. Remember, don't read too much into that defensive performance on paper, so to speak, that the Vikings put up last week because Packers dropped a 70-yard touchdown pass. So that would actually change all those numbers. It would change Aaron Rodgers' numbers, change your yards per play, change your offensive uh, output to you know from kind of modest to actually pretty good. And that's just how it works sometimes. So when you look at stats, you have to qualify those stats, and it really, really does help to actually watch the games. Hey, listen, some people devote themselves to these things more than others. That's life. But these are things I think you need to know. I think you'll see some offense in this game. Total at 50 and a half. 
Keep an eye on the weather, though. There is a chance of rain in Philadelphia, obviously playing on grass early in the year. The field could get torn up. Just keep an eye on that. And then the Titans head into Buffalo. Now, I am on the Bills in this game as a teaser leg, but hold on. It gets a little more interesting than that. I got them the week before when the line was 7.5. My theory was that the line was never going to go below 7.5. Even if the Titans had beaten the Giants, how much lower was this line really going to go? After Buffalo's performance, they, they sort of dominated the Rams. It was a sloppy game, but the, the impression was that they dominated the Rams. Josh Allen looked unstoppable, yada, yada, yada. It's week one. There's overreactions aplenty. We know how that works. Now the Titans go and lose to the Giants, which I, which I thought you know could have happened. The line balloons up to 10. That's why getting the best of the number obviously is significant. You wouldn't take a 10-point favorite if, if you honestly are doing things the right way and make them a four-point favorite. But if you have a team that's minus 7.5, that would be an attractive teaser like getting them down to 1.5. You want to get inside those key numbers. In this case, you want to get inside the three to make it worth your while. So, yes, we have the Bills minus 1.5 to complete a teaser with the Chiefs in their Week 1 victory over the Cardinals. You already got them at a pick them in Week 1. So we're just waiting on the Bills on Monday night. Anything else that goes up will go up on the Twitter feed at BC, AK the man, both in college and in the NFL. And with that, that's all the time we got this week on the Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out facebook.com slash the Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BC, AK the man. And remember, the Air Attack with BC the man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with Lace. Here's Checkmate. I am BC the man. I will see you guys next week on the Air Attack. This whole nation, I've been rhyming and grinding to be shining like diamonds, ups and downs through the struggle, but it just made me tougher, just made me smarter, made me flow even harder, you see, where I was brought up, you get easily caught up, moving that product, doing that dirt, but I'm doing this music, see my music's my work, and I do it, and I give it all I got, the last second on the clock, and I just made a shot, game on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on. me great the time is getting near i feel it i cannot wait doing shows selling clothes with hoes in different states so fuck an enemy gangster i don't pretend to be hustler for eternity independent mentality increasing my salary multiplying my revenue that's what i'm gonna do and when i do i'll keep it true maybe I heard my name but don't know what i've been through most of y'all would have quit but i continue continue to get this money continue to do these songs that's why i ride alone Cause dog, the game is over. It's checkmate, cause dog, the game is over.
is checkmate Cause dog, the game is over I'm in it to win it, uh I thought I told ya I need that money, I need that dough I got some, but I want some more I sacrificed my life for this So I need an icy wrist I need the big whips that come with the business Y'all know the business And y'all know what is this I'm dropping that hot shit To show y'all I got this A lot of y'all be grinding But not many like this That's why y'all like this That's why y'all feel me Most people will love me Maybe someone kill me Either way, this the real me Situations change, but I'ma still be Yes, I don't pay my dues I don't put in my time Now the game is mine Checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on Checkmate, yeah I am playing games, homie Now the game is over I am playing games, homie Now the game is over Cause it's checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on Checkmate, Grand. Yeah, this the new me, baby. Purify the world, wow.